President Biden, Secretary Becerra, Secretary Mayorkas, let these children go. Witness Radio. If you'd like to join me, I'm about to offer a prayer for our march, for all of us as we begin this journey. It was April 30th, 2021, Mexico's Children's Day, El Día de las Niñas y Niños. It happened to coincide with the 100th day of the Biden administration. In the borderlands of El Paso, Texas, witness at the border, together with over 80 national and international sponsors, and in collaboration with local partners, the Border Network for Human Rights, the Coalition to End Child Detention, and the Hope Border Institute, convened at the Paso del Norte Bridge. From there, we walked for all the children currently being detained in the United States, separated from their loved ones. La Caminata Pala Niñez began with a prayer by Rabbi Josh Winston of Temple Beth Ameth, who traveled to the borderlands all the way from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Dear God, walk with us today. Walk with us as we walk for the children, for the families, for the lost lives in the wilderness. Guide us along our journey as you guide those fleeing from violence, fleeing from the brokenness American foreign policy has sown throughout Central America and Mexico for generations. Let our heels begin to heal the brokenness of our militarized border, our inhumane and racist immigration policies. Let our toes trample the system that says no to brown bodies over and over again that criminalize the act of walking. Let our steps stir us and send a message to our governments. We will not give up this struggle for just migration. We will not give up the struggle for keeping families united. Let us focus our minds on the thousands of families torn apart at our border. Let us hold in our hearts the children and parents expelled to Juarez, lingering in dashed hopes for security and freedom. Let us stand in silence for the families broken by our brokenness as a country. The walk for the children, La Caminata para la Niñez, spanned six miles, lasting nearly three hours, and terminating at the gates of Fort Bliss, the largest military base in the United States, which as of this recording was holding nearly 5,000 migrant youth. Caminata participants rallied there to hear speakers shed light on the injustices committed by detaining children, particularly in large congregant settings, an issue that we believe should be on the minds of all Americans. This episode of Witness Radio is an effort to recreate that important day and to spread the word from the borderlands and beyond about what is being done to children in all our names. The rally began with host and borderlands leader, Veronica Frescas. Everybody, thank you for joining us. My name is Veronica Frescas, and I'm here on behalf of both the Border Network for Human Rights and for the Coalition to End Child Detention. Thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon. We'll begin first with Josh Rubin, who was the founder of The Witness at the Border, with a witness project that began back in Tornillo, Texas in October 2018, to shine light on the Tornillo detention camp just in the backyard in the outskirts of El Paso. 
So it is my pleasure to welcome back, I uh, haven't seen him in quite a few years, it's wonderful to see him again, Josh Rubin. It's good to be here and it's good to see you. Witness at the Border, the Border Network for Human Rights, the Coalition to End Child Detention, Hope Water Institute, and our growing coalition of national and international partners demand that the Biden administration end Title 42, that the administration end expulsions without due process and admit migrant families on a priority basis, that they stop separating children from their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles, and siblings, thus rendering them unaccompanied, that they allow parents and other close relatives already living in the United States to simply come to the border and pick up their children, and that they release detained children without delay to their loved ones here in the United States. On this Children's Day, April 30th, 2021, we ask you to stand with us and bear witness in defense of human dignity and the human rights of migrant children and their families. This is why we witness. This is why we walk. Thousands upon thousands of desperate migrants are being turned away at the border using a Trump-era abuse of the emergency public health code that the Biden administration refuses to reverse. It's called Title 42. It's an invisible border wall that stops families fleeing danger and devastation in their tracks, compelling many parents to make the unimaginably painful decision to separate from their children, simply to preserve for them the possibility of a safe haven, if, even if not for themselves. Title 42 is the pretext for arbitrary mass expulsions, close to 700,000 since March of 2020, about half of these since last November. Children expelled with their families are living in overwhelmed shelters in Ciudad Juarez and elsewhere, all along the U.S.-Mexican border, some of the most dangerous places on earth where food is becoming scarce. Title 42 has resulted in the detention of 22,000 children in large-scale congregate settings ranging from military bases like Fort Bliss, right over there, to convention centers in Dallas, San Antonio, and San Diego. This is why we witness, this is why we walk. Our walk for the children began at the Paso del Norte Bridge, which represents the hopes and dreams and struggles shared among hardworking communities on both sides of the Rio Grande, now divided by U.S. immigration and border policies. Harder to scale than the wall. We have walked here to the gates of Fort Bliss, the largest U.S. military base, where thousands of migrant youth are currently being warehoused. But it is well documented that prolonged confinement in conditions such as these causes irreparable harm to the children, exacerbating traumas that lead to mental illness, learning delays, and to lifelong suffering. Fort Bliss and equivalent large-scale congregate settings and convention centers under CBP or ICE or HHS contractors are simply no place for children. And this is why we witness. This is why we walk. Meanwhile, U.S. support continues to flow toward corrupt authoritarian governments throughout Central America and the Caribbean, a paradigm rooted in unjust, outdated U.S. policies related to the drug war and free trade and causing environmental devastation. Such policies constitute crimes against humanity. They are among the principal causes of the unsustainable conditions that migrant families and children are now driven to flee. This is why we witness. This is why we walk. 
All people have the right to seek a dignified life. They have the right to safety, refuge, asylum, sanctuary. As we undertake this walk in defense of the right to migrate, these children's journeys and suffering become ours too. Today, and until they are freed and reunited with their families and loved ones, we are all migrant children. On Children's Day and every day, we call for full recognition and respect for the right of all children and their families to seek a better life, free from the cruelty of imprisonment. This is why we witness. This is why we walk. We continue now with Marisa Limon Garza, the Deputy Director of the Hope Order Institute from here in El Paso, a community-based organization in our region working for social justice. Thank you, Marisa. Buenas tardes y bienvenidos. Welcome to everybody. I cannot begin to express just how much having you all here working with local coalitions means to us here in the borderlands. Solidarity matters. They're not empty words, and you have proven that. Solidarity means making space. It means bearing witness. It means walking together. And so know that there are children waiting to be reunited with families. There are children that are being expelled right now to Ciudad Juarez. There are people all over in tremendous amounts of suffering because I frankly believe that we haven't had the courage, the creativity, and the conviction to do better. We can do better. We know how to do better. But instead, we're feeding the carceral system by supporting these efforts. We're feeding into systems that are based in white supremacy and xenophobia at their core. And so now it's folks like you, folks like us, that every day have to say no, that there's another way to do this, that we can welcome with dignity, that we can live up to our stated values, that we can be the promise to these people that legally we say we will offer. And so I encourage you to use this moment as fire to continue the work, talking to all members of Congress, targeting the White House, telling the Biden administration very clearly what the demands are that Josh so clearly explained. It's not radical, it's not extreme, and it's within our possibility, but we have to have the will. So we have to remind them of our values and remind them of who we need them to be. So thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. This is not the end. This is a continued journey, a continued caminata until we are all free. Thank you. Next, we have Susana Herrera-Via. She's a coordinator with the Border Network for Human Rights, which is an organization created to advance the dignity and rights of all persons with the end goal of building sustainable, organized community power that gives border residents and immigrant families a voice by providing the skills, organizations, and the opportunity to lead. And so, Susana, mi compañera, I'll say a few words to you in Spanish. Uh, Susana? Buenas tardes. Mi nombre es Susana Herrera y soy coordinadora de la Red Fronteriza por los Derechos Humanos. Good afternoon. My name is Susana Herrera, and I am coordinator of the Border Network for Human Rights. Well, I just want to tell you quickly how in recent years, unfortunately, we have seen our brothers and sisters from Central America and also Mexico coming. And the truth is that for me, it has been very painful to hear their stories. Through the church that I attend, we've been receiving refugees, whole families, and the stories of how they are treated is very, very sad. Today is April 30th. 
Children's Day, and the healthiest thing for all children is that they should be playing in a park, or in their homes, or in their schools, safe and happy. Instead, we have to be here, walking, demanding that all those children who are now in detention, who are in inhumane conditions under tents, be free. We know that this is not how children should be spending their days. A person very close to me is working there at Fort Bliss and reports that the treatment the children are being given is inhumane. They are going through an experience that no child should have to go through. They have two minutes to bathe in baths that are not dignified for children. They sleep in beds and dormitories that are not suitable for children. They are cold. The children are in crisis because they have already gone months without being able to talk to any family member. And they are only told that it is not time yet, that you can't. There are children who are suffering, experiencing a deep trauma they may never be able to overcome. I put myself in their place as a mother because I have three children and I sometimes wake up thinking about those kids going cold, going hungry, and I say, it's inhuman the way they are being treated. I know this new administration is telling us to give them time, but we have to demand that they act more quickly. These children cannot be imprisoned. These children aren't even called by their names. These children are little more than a number for this country. I want to thank everyone who came from so far. We have to continue moving forward, because if we don't keep insisting that these tents that have been pitched here in Fort Bliss be taken down, these children are going to continue to suffer even more. Thank you. Good afternoon, Susana. Next, I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Amy Cohen, the executive director and co-founder of Every Last One, a nonprofit organization dedicated to ending the damage caused by cruel and negligent treatment arising from American immigration policy. Dr. Cohen is a child and family psychiatrist and is currently focusing on the experience of asylum-seeking children whose trauma from violence in their home countries is compounded by American government imposed exposure to trafficking, separation from family, and protracted stays in immigration detention. Dr. Cohen. We thought it would be better, right? We thought that if only we could get rid of Trump, the United States would find its humanity and its commitment to human rights. Are things better? The Biden administration were appalled at the child separation policies of the Trump administration, vowing redress to the children and families who had suffered in 2018. Are things better? We now have more than 22,000 migrant children in detention custody. That is more than twice the highest number held any time during the Trump administration. More than half of those children have parents living in the United States, parents desperate to bring them home and to care for them. Nearly all the rest have some other relative ready to take them home. Just like during zero tolerance, we are torturing children. That is not hyperbole. I say that as a physician. Imposing on these children trauma, which is damaging their brains, damaging their bodies, to a degree which may never be reversible, these children statistically have a shorter lifespan. A four-year-old child who weeks after reuniting with her mother still cries every day, awakens terrified every night, is unable to let her mother out of her sight and asks, 
Why did you let those men take me away? Imagine that you are a 14-year-old girl who has escaped an abusing father. You've taken the journey to be with your mother who desperately awaits you. You were kidnapped for a month in Mexico, raped, and finally released once your mother had put together all of the ransom and your captors were done with you. You have kept before you the vision of your mother's face, her voice, her smell. You long to be in her arms. But strangers take you to a strange place where you were locked up and not permitted even to call her, even to hear her voice. Held against your will, you wonder if kidnappers are everywhere. You cry every day. This is a real story. Even in the seemingly joyful moment of reuniting with family, you can see in their eyes the torment, the fear that lingers. And just like zero tolerance, we are torturing parents. In 2018, I sat across from many of those parents, seeing suffering more primal and terrifying than I had seen in all my 30 years of treating trauma. These parents bled and wept. They did not sleep, they did not eat. They could think of nothing but finding and holding their children. Today, we're doing it again, dragging away these children and dropping them into a void where their families cannot find them. Often parents are going for weeks without hearing from children at all. They call the government child finder line for migrant children taken into custody. They're put on hold for hours, only to be told nothing, that they must, and this is a quote, be patient and practice serenity. It may be weeks before they receive a single call from their child, longer before they hear from anyone who will instruct them on how to gain that child's release. The call will come from a blocked number. The caller will refuse to give his or her name or any contact information. The instructions will be given, and if the parent is confused, there will be no one to call and ask for help. Or the instructions will be followed to the letter and the 33-page family reunification packet submitted with nothing. No call acknowledging the submission, asking for anything further, just silence. For these parents, this is exactly as if their children had been kidnapped. They have done nothing to demonstrate incapacity as parents. They have not had their parental rights taken away by a court of law, but they are stripped of all power, all agency, all dignity, all capacity to do what they are desperate to do, parent their traumatized, frightened children and as with kidnappers who may have held their children, these parents will do anything to get them back. Endure humiliation, endless questions, more hoops to jump through, more tests to pass. All are afraid that if they push back, their child will suffer more for it, or perhaps that they will never see their child again. The government will tell you that by keeping children from their families, they are protecting migrant children against the dangers of trafficking and abuse. I know of no data showing that detained migrant children, when granted a phone call, are the least bit inclined to call a trafficker. But there is plenty of data documenting the damage to a child when she has withheld contact with the one person she needs most to soothe and comfort her. And we are protecting this child against traffickers? Who is protecting her against us? In Dallas, 1,500 boys are languishing in an enormous convention center hall, spending all day, every day, doing pretty much nothing in a windowless room. These boys are never permitted to go outside. These children are spending endless days in boredom, in despondency, 
and anxiety. They never see the sky or the sunshine, let alone feel its warmth or breathe in fresh air. Some have been there now for two months. They are no longer even permitted the diversion of games or drawing materials. 1,500 children there and 1,500 girls in the San Diego Convention Center. This military compound behind us has made room to warehouse up to 5,000 children. Children are given absolutely no sense of how or if they'll be released, which is really the worst thing you can do to them. One girl is getting daily nosebleeds from the stress. Another child is beginning to cut herself. Others have stopped eating. Children are fainting. Illnesses for which the only responsible treatment is release and reunification, and I say that as a doctor but we are protecting these children from traffickers. In fact, an argument can be made that the traffickers from whom these children need to be protected are actually on the government payroll. They are the real beneficiaries of these policies and they are making a fortune from this suffering. Who are they? Organizations like Southwest Key, a nonprofit whose CEO made $3.6 million in 2017 and is most surely making many multiples of that today. At a minimum of $775 per child per day, they are in no hurry to empty their beds to see these children released. If indeed we are, as we should be, concerned to protect the innocent and the vulnerable from exploitation and harm, we should dismantle a system that inflicts and benefits from that harm. I'm a human being and every single day I am witnessing human rights atrocities visited upon the innocent. I am a doctor whose government is inflicting a cancer on these children and families. It is my job not merely to treat its symptoms, but to eradicate its cause. I'm an American, as we all are, and in my name and with my money, my government is paying and empowering others to profit off the suffering of children and families. And I say, no more. No more. No more. No more. No more. President Biden, Secretary Becerra, Secretary Mayorkas, let these children go. We continue with Karina Reseda. She's the shelter coordinator and the program developer at San Juan Apostol Shelter, founded for pregnant migrants who seek to recognize and affirm the dignity of persons at every migration stage or border. Karina? I know that today is a day of the child, but today I'm going to talk about mothers because these children have a right, and that right is their mothers. My shelter is for pregnant migrant women, but we also receive uh, women victims of sexual torture. And in therapy that we've had with them, the therapist used a word with them to, to describe their, their pain. And in Spanish, it's aniquila el yo. In English, it's, it annihilates the I, the person. And they wouldn't use it to describe the abuse or what they went through, they would use it to describe being separated from their children. I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor, I don't have any specialized studies in this. We, I started the shelter because I'm a mother. So this is appeal to all the mothers here and any mother that's listening to stand up for these children. I've been working on the border for four years in migration issues and I can tell you within the time of the Biden administration and then within the last month, it has been the time where it's most difficult for us, the, the biggest crisis that we've seen. It's the first time that we've had to hospitalize the children coming in. It's the first time that we've had to hospitalize mothers for miscarriages. 
And it's the first time that we see multiple, multiple mothers that their breast milk is drying up because they're not receiving adequate water in detention centers. And so I'm calling everybody to action. And as mothers and fathers, let's fight and stand up and speak up for all of those children that are in this situation. Because when I see those children, I see my own. And I know that it's possible as a community to stand up and protect and serve and nurture these children. One of the immigration rhetoric is that it's a crisis of the numbers. At San Juan, it's only a team of four, and we've been able to attend every pregnant migrant woman in the city. The crisis isn't in the numbers, it's in our dehumanizing treatment towards the migrant. It is very easy as a community to come together. I know that we can do it as a community, and it's to continue to speak up and humanize our brothers and sisters. Thank you. In her closing message, our final speaker of the day, Adriana Cadena, also of Border Network for Human Rights, leaves us with a bit of history, a personal story, a viable solution, a compelling call to action, and a ray of hope. Hello, good afternoon. Hola, buenas tardes. Uh, bienvenidos al Paso. Welcome to El Paso, our beautiful Franklin Mountains in the background. Um, this is a beautiful place that's unfortunately next to the biggest military base in the country. When we look at America's immigration system, what we see and what we know is that it's a broken system, right? But we also have to remember that it was a system that was created under a founding and basis of racism. We look back in history and we look at the Chinese Expulsion Act that is based on fear of foreigners. We also look at the um, Bracero program in the 1940s to 60s, a system that's based on economic gains that this country wants to get. And then we look at, what, 2017, the Muslim travel ban, and then most recently, Title 42, right, that's used as an excuse to keep people out. Um, and with every wave of immigrants, there is hostility, and there is racism, and there is hate. We need to reestablish America's immigration system to something that is more humane, that actually values human life. And that is why we have launched the we are the 11 million campaign. And when we talk about the 11 million, we are talking about many people, families, fathers, mothers who have been here for 20, 30 years and have no way of becoming legalized. For whatever reason that there is, there is no line. And we have to change how we treat our children, how we treat children who are coming to seek refuge, who are a product of the instability in Central America that our own country created with supporting governments that abuse their own people, with exporting gang members in the 1980s and 1990s who have created so much violence now back in their own countries. What we need on the border is welcoming centers. Centros de bienvenida, we welcome you. We take you in, we embrace you. You are our children. We will immediately start the process so you can be reunited with your parent who already is in this country and who probably is waiting to be legalized because there is no way that that person can become legalized. So we need welcoming centers because we say here at the border, we are the new Ellis Island. Just like Europeans came many years ago, people are coming here to seek refuge. They are coming here because they're fleeing violence. They're not coming here because they want to be here. There is a specific reason, right? And we know that because we hear the stories every single day. You know, when I came to this country, I came as a child with my mother who was coming to what? Reunify with my father. 
My father actually came to this country first as a bracero. So we came, we crossed the border, and we got detained. I was with my mom, and I was with my two siblings. And I still remember every single day what that experience was like. I cannot imagine what it's like for these children now who are completely alone. And that's why, you know, we also need to hold these government agencies accountable for what they do. From Border Patrol to Customs and Border Enforcement to ICE to places like um, these vendors that are gaining out of holding children because they win when they have more beds that they're failing. And when you hear the stories of the children who don't even have access to sunlight or who are only allowed to go out a certain amount of time, it's just, it is so devastating and it just gives us more ganas, you know, to fight the system, to change the laws. We as a country, you know, need to work together. We need to change the system and we need to call for a comprehensive, inclusive immigration reform that begins at the border on how people come here and ends at legalizing and providing a pathway to citizenship to the millions of families who are waiting and who are already part in the fabric of this country. We need change in our immigration system and only we can do that because we are the people and we, all of us collectively, have the power to change that. Don't we? Yeah. Yeah. el poder? We do, we have the power, thank you. So I thank all of you who have walked the six miles or you just walked the six feet to be here. And as we think about how we feel, we can only think about the two months journeys that these families have endured, that these children have endured, only to wind up where they are now. Collectively, we can win. Collectively, we can do better. And we're going to continue to until all of this ends. Thank you, gracias, one and all, for joining us for the Caminata Pala Niñez. I'm Sarah Towell, host and director of Witness Radio, and I hope you enjoyed this recreation of our April 30th Day of Action. I also encourage you to stay tuned for more news about Witness at the Border and Fort Bliss. In recent days, reports from CBS, The New York Times, the BBC, and El Paso Matters confirm that the largest military base in the U.S., is now the nation's largest detention center for migrant youth, housing nearly a quarter of the total number of kids in the care of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and that conditions are indeed unspeakable. It would appear the Biden administration is considering expanding the facility rather than breaking it down as per our demands, meaning the megasite could soon hold as many as 10,000 immigrant children in the custody of a security apparatus not if people qualified to care for kids. So it would seem more action is needed. I'll include links to those reports in the show notes to this pod. And for more information on Title 42, don't miss Witness Radio Episode 1, all about Trump's, now Biden's, invisible border wall. I'll add a link to that as well. We hope you'll rate and review our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please consider becoming a patron of Witness Radio on Patreon. It's thanks to our sponsors that we can keep bringing you stories from our borderlands and beyond. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. We'll see you here, there, and everywhere. Witness Radio is produced by Livia Brock. As Moses spoke to Joshua, 
as the march to the promised land began, strength and courage to us all, strength and courage to those on their way.